This is the Fancy Ramen Podcast, Omake, episode 22, covering Yusho Yoshihiko to Mao no Shiro, also known as the Hero Yoshihiko and the Demon King's Castle. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. And in this particular Omake, we're going to be covering episodes 1, 2, and 3 of the Hero Yoshihiko season 1. Just to quickly recap, in episode one, we are introduced to a young man named Yoshihiko who becomes a hero by, quote-unquote, pulling a sword from a stone in Arthurian fashion. As the new hero of the village, he is sent out on a quest that his father began six months prior, searching for a miracle herb to cure an illness plaguing the lands. On this journey, he encounters... Danjo, a warrior who hopes to kill the protagonist after wearing him out with his stories, Murasaki, a vengeful daughter who believes Yoshihiko is her father's killer, and Melub, a phony guru and incompetent mage. The three join our hero for really no reason and soon find Teruhiko and the Miracle Herb, but before they can call their journey over, Buddha calls on Yoshihiko to fight the Demon King. In episode 2, the party comes across a village performing a ritual for Amaterasu, a nearby mountain god, not the sun god in this case apparently, and find themselves escorting a maiden who would be sacrificed if not for Yoshihiko's conviction. And in episode 3, after finding proper dick placement, Yoshihiko and his band must seek help from a master blacksmith in defeating a crop-destroying monster. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts over these first three episodes? I'm... I. I think I'm going to uh, enjoy continuing to watch it, but it's definitely like really hit or miss with a lot of the humor. That's fair. That's a very fair assumption, fair assessment to make. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like some jokes land and they're really funny. Like I the um, vagrant who had to worry about dick placement, like when he when they first revealed that that's what he was trying to do, I would I was you know like kind of disgusted and a little confused when he first puts his hands down his pants and then when he had to explain that it you know it was aching to death if you had improper placement all of a sudden i was cracking up like there are some really great jokes and and i could watch uh, the interaction with the buddha scenes at the end of every episode um happily and like not see anything else but i think those are really entertaining yeah other times i just i just feel like uh it it sometimes falls a little flat you can see that in episode in the first episode like immediately because uh it has what i would call like harmless humor at points like how the sword falls out of the stone instead of him even touching it Mm -hmm. (laughs) then in our second episode the entire joke about the woman the maiden being uh hideous yeah she's too hideous to sacrifice (laughs) (laughs) damn it Initially, that joke wasn't funny, but just by the fact that they kept playing on Yoshihiko's incompetence and understanding the situation, (laughs) it became funny that way, but at the same time, still wasn't funny to me, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. That's exactly what I think of as the example of like, uh, I didn't find this joke very funny at all. But, you know... In the same episode, don't they they encounter? Um, is that when they encounter the the nine to five uh, like highway bandits, or is that? Yes, that that is correct. Uh, that is in episode two, <laughs> the highway bandits that are under the influence of the demon king. Their shift is over right before they start fighting. I thought that was fantastic. It was really funny, and especially when uh, their uh, foreman 
more or less was like, can't you stay just a little bit and, you know, put in a little overtime? And they're like, no, no, union rules. <laughs> I've got things to do. I made plans. <laughs> yeah, the, the fourth or the third or fourth employee or bandit, I guess, is like, yeah, I, I've got uh, personal engagements that I need to handle. <laughs> and he's like, what, what things? And it's like, per- personal things. Like, you can tell the way... <laughs> the way he's delivering those lines he's just making something up on the spot yeah some of that subtle humor goes over really well and the at times it felt plentiful but like maybe more occasional as the show seems to go on uh references to like rpg mechanics and cliches a lot of those can also be really enjoyable um at at the same time like i also find myself wishing that they would play into it more in some of the episodes I can see what you mean. So I have a question. Just because I watched a bunch of YouTube clips before I told us that we should watch this, did the first three episodes contain the scene where they were wandering around the villagers' um, house breaking pots? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, to tell you, yes, they play off of the Japanese RPG theme, Zelda. Fuck, they even... There's even a One Piece cameo from the really? YouTube videos I've seen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I mean I know that they've got. I can't remember if it's Final Fantasy. It sounds like it's the Final Fantasy victory track when they finish a battle, and they've got the slimes from uh, Dragon Quest. Those are pretty obvious. I I think it's a little closer to the Dragon Quest victory theme, but you're 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 correct in that assessment that that theme always plays at triumphant moments mm-hmm. and they're, they're spot on with that. In fact, all of the monsters I'm pretty sure are from Dragon Quest or inspired by Dragon Quest so far and they nail yeah. that part of it. And they're funny. I think, I think all the monster interactions are pretty funny and, and I've enjoyed most of the like highway bandit interactions too. I was, I was cracking up when I saw um, <laughs> that... The uh, young bandit hopeful when his mom comes in and tries to bribe him with rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why did? Why would we need rice if we're going to be dead? <laughs> and then they kind of carry that joke on forward after uh, I think the end of three, when they fight that uh, like high level monster in the cave. Doesn't uh, shoot. What's the girl's name? Um, Murasaki. Murasaki, yeah, Mur- Murasaki is like we should have asked them for rice right after they complete that quest. Oh, did oh yeah, I, I yeah, almost so, even thought, so they like carry the joke over. I thought she was asking why didn't we take their rice? Oh yeah, I mean, I think you're probably right with that. That sounds that sounds accurate. Now there's a chance that we're also watching different translations too. Yeah, it's possible. I'm I'm doing it from. The one of the two sources you gave me that was the less sketchy of the two. <laughs> I was uh, watching it from one that was obviously a fan, uh, a fan sub, because there was a particular instance talking about maybe the humor falling short a bit in that same episode when they're trying out everyone, like all four party members' souls into this the the soul sword, and when they do Donjo. Uh, the translator left in a note to the editor that basically... That's right. Okay, we've seen the same one then. 
Yeah, that, um, that note basically saying that the translation instead of prissy or sissy, uh, which is what Donjo becomes at that point uh, when his soul is taken out from his body, um, is like the the correct translation is actually a. I, I think it was something akin to like the closest translation would be like a negative slang or derogatory slang to a gay man or transgender man possibly. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the same note. It was actually nice to see it because I, I got a chance to kind of, I paused the video and, and read the whole thing just to see the note. But that was, it was good too because I think on the translation note too, they were just like, God, the joke kind of falls flat if you translate it that way. So yep, I'm just going to leave it as is and, and you may interpret it how you choose to. And, and speaking on that, Speaking on that part, too, it's interesting that the word soul was used in the translation. Uh, granted, this maybe isn't so much about the show itself, but it's curious to, to see that th- when the soul is taken from these characters that they still technically have personality. It kind of seems more appropriate to have called it like the super ego or, and the, or like some aspect of their personality as opposed to their soul. Mm, yeah, that, that would make a lot more sense. I'm nodding my head. <laughs> Cookie's still enjoying his 360 camera. He's like, I'm I'm just going to motion all of my responses. <laughs> Do you have it up right it now? 4K. I technically could, but since no one to be able to hear you guys, there's no point in me like streaming. Oh yeah, right. definitely. I'm not sure what else what else I kind of I wanted to say um I would say that the the instant cut to the animated scene when they're fighting the boss character as we'll call it in episode three that's pretty cave jarring beast. yeah it, it took me by surprise i did not expect it to go into what looks like kind of poor quality flash animation <laughs> purposely poor it's interesting because i think this does get compared a little bit to like um at least monty python-esque with being skit comedy and if you remember the monty python flying circus episodes almost always had their their uh, portion where it was more or less the um, modern equivalent. The animation. The, yeah, it, it was the animate, animated portion that was more or less like Photoshop cut and paste with, with uh, like human figures and models. Prettier and less animated South Park, if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Speaking of Monty Python, an episode, I believe it was two. Actually, let me double check that. I might not have even put this in. It was either two or three. Oh, they come across it's the killer koala. Is that yes. what you're talking about? Yeah, yep. yeah. It's it's a straight rip from the uh, killer rabbit in Quest for the Holy Grail. Very much so. To me, it felt like that did not hit hit home nearly as well as some of the other gags they had. It no, it's not nearly as funny as the killer rabbit one. Win some, you lose some. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sometimes the issue that you're going to encounter when you're trying to, like, it's not even a deep cut, so to speak, because that's a pretty, like, popular or well-known joke from the Holy Grail. Like, if there's something people are going to remember, it's normally the rabbit and the black knight and the coconuts normally. Like, those those are the uh, things that people always remember from the movie and that, that seem to be um, so universal so universally beloved that people who haven't even seen the movie might be aware of it. But like with the, with the koala, I, I don't know. It's, uh, 
it's just a stuffed koala with it they put teeth on. And so when I saw that they had like the fake vampire teeth on it, it was a little funny there, but that was about it. Otherwise, it was like seeing the same joke, but just done in, at, at a like poorer quality, which was kind of sad. Yeah, well, what makes the killer bunny so funny is because it's a killer and we see blood and not saying blood itself is funny, but seeing a bunch of these veteran swordsmen within the world, you know, the fiction, uh, getting annihilated by this small bunny that is also a real bunny in certain cuts or in certain yeah right takes. it's a it's a harmless white rabbit in some cuts and they also have that great sound effect where when it jumps from person to person it goes to kill him it goes Eep! yep yep <laughs> <laughs> and then the fact that they also have to use the holy hand grenade which has been immortalized <laughs> by things them. like yeah. worms or games like worms yeah they they uh, I think put it into fallout new vegas as well you could find some holy hand grenades that had like a it had the blast i think that was equivalent to the little like fat man ammunition that you'd get yeah so it's it's certainly uh become a a pretty popular trope the holy hand grenade but to get on to something i really have enjoyed so far uh two two aspects and they're both character driven uh the first one is melub the mage mm-hmm. has the best spells. Like <laughs> his first spell, sweet. Oh yeah, Piganose. That's right. His first spell, Piganose, being able to turn someone's nose into that, uh, like into an appearance of a pig. Mm-hmm. It just turns it up right, and it's his, oh, it right. turns it up right. daily spell. <laughs> he can only cast it once. I use my daily. <laughs> then he then he learns his spell, sweets, which gives people the urge to like or the craving for sweets or sweet based foods they get the munchies and I, I don't know why but it's like that's the type of gags i've really enjoyed with this show so far just the things that are related to the characters that they can add on to as time goes on yeah. and then his his third spell wimp i think was what it was which allows oh, him so to uh the it, buff sorry what's that was that the buff? Yeah, that's the twenty five percent buff. Yes, and I, I like I, I found it hilarious just the name Wimp having Wimp in it, and I'm not sure if that <laughs> like that obviously wouldn't play to a Japanese audience, but it. I also found it kind of funny that Murasaki is like that. That seems that's just as useless, or that's even more useless. And I'm thinking to myself, like a twenty twenty five percent buff is not useless. That seems like a pretty legit spell. But she can't tell the difference from the outside, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. And everything else he's done is pretty much useless in a battle. I will say I do love the gag that she has a fake knife. <laughs> <laughs> and that she's just willing to avenge her father whenever she's annoyed or bored. <laughs> Very much so. So, like, I think that's the main reason the killer koala was kind of funny to me. Because she was using oh, the, the prop knife, knife yeah. on it. <laughs> I, I can't tell if she just uses it out of the necessity of like, this is the only weapon I have now apparently, or if she forgets it's fake. I don't know. Cause she can play it either way, depending on like whenever she goes after um main character guy, I want to call him Yoshihiko. Is it Yoshihiko? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sweet. When she goes after Yoshihiko, cause he's just like the first time she thought it was a real knife and he's just like, ow, stop it. I replaced it with a fake knife. 
And then the second time she attacks him, she's just like, yeah, I know. But die, please. <laughs> do, do you like the fact that she embodies the rogue rogue or thief character? Because she's backstabbing? Eh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> also, have you guys noticed the uh, the little bird that's just sewn into the top portion of her uh, <laughs> yeah. like costume? <laughs> Yes. I don't I don't know why I find it so funny to see the little fake bird, but it's hilarious to me every time I glimpse it. And and also I think that's the other thing is like it's unapologetically like a super low budget show. Like that's part of the gag. And I do really like that. Like seeing the creativity in which they, they have to approach things because they're keeping things so low budget. I wonder, is this actually like a big show in Japan? Because I was almost assuming they were purposely going low budget, but then at the same time, like maybe that's because they're forced to do that. I mean, I, I assume it's uh it's mostly being money savvy, but I don't I don't know about the there's there's no info on the reception immediately available to me, so I, I, I can't make any guesses. Like it happens in the very beginning too. The the point where I was like, wait, something's weird is when Yoshihiko leaves uh the village they put they they uh they shoot him with a camera so to speak in a way that indicates he's on the horse or on a horse but by the time he has left and it cuts to the the sister which we'll we gotta have to talk about oh, the sister oh, in a second yeah, too. that's right very much so but uh <laughs> it, it cuts to the sister and she watches him ride off and when it cuts to what you would expect to be the hero riding off on his horse like out of view or you know behind bushes it cuts to an empty shot, so you never see the horse, and the horse never shows up again later on. <laughs> As if there was never a horse to begin with. Right, and that, that is maybe like my favorite part about episode one. Like it's, it's so underplayed, and I'm sure people don't even realize it, but it's amazing. I, I just love thinking about how each of these characters is, is bound to Yoshihiko in a way. You mean bound, but not bound at all. And that's what makes it great. <laughs> it just, just following him around because they have nothing better to do. Like, it, that's, that's a gag, too. The fact that they're, like, hanging in and, say, in the third one, they're helping him defeat a cave demon and, and willing to commit their soul to him and his sword when two of them want to kill him eventually. And then the other one's just... I don't even know what he's doing. He's a charlatan who's trying to explore the world. Kind of. Yeah, but they're, think they're he, all really driven to the cause for some reason. I love the fact that after the during the first episode, after they find Yoshihiko's father, which we'll also have to... We'll just have to talk about Yoshihiko's family. Um, <laughs> after that, they're like, well, I guess, I guess this is it. What do we do now? Uh, go our separate ways. And then the Buddha shows up. They're like, yeah! <laughs> More adventure. Before Buddha shows up, uh, Melab even is like, hey, so you want to get food sometime? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to get food sometime. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To speak about Yoshiko's family, uh, his sister, who arguably has the strongest attachment, has shown up at the end of each episode hiding behind a tree. I I think it's a tree Hotter and hotter. Well, not not just hotter and hotter, but she's also looking more glamorous with like her outfits she goes from wearing white and like the drab clothes from the original scene to now she has a pink hat and at the end of episode three she now has blonde hair earrings and a boyfriend right 
And <laughs> like, uh, what's the term? Garu. She she's taking on this That's Garu appearance. Three episodes in, she's already transformed. What is she going to look like in episode twelve? I know she's she's got like eight to go. I'm excited to see where she goes with it. Just because I'm thinking, eventually, not even eventually, within the next two episodes, she's probably going to have kids. <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> she's an old woman, like <laughs> by the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting to so- see where that goes. And also, I I love that the uh, the Buddha in his omnipotence uh, is unable to be seen by Yoshihiko, the titular hero. The hero can't even see me. What's the point? I know. What's the point? <laughs> and his his like just small complaining and bickering. It it there's something about the like delivery of that dialogue that even though you know you can't speak the language, like you still the the delivery of it and and just the uh, like the audible context of it is really enjoyable and and funny. Without fail, halfway through his speech, each episode he starts to become really uncertain of what he's doing. Or like yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> he, he really doesn't even know what he's trying to say sometimes. I'll, I'll tell you what. In the first episode, I was wondering if like this was some weird hidden gag. Like he was going poop or using the restroom halfway I through the scene. I thought that too. Because <laughs> like that, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> he's like, you should get to Don't mess with the Buddha. <laughs> It's like, all right, yeah, and I'm just kind of like making an audible pause here right now, and I'm kind of looking around, like, because I'm not going to look directly down at my penis while I pee. But yeah, it's like kind of awkward, even though you don't know I'm going to the restroom, I'm still talking to you. <laughs> Teruhiko, Yoshihiko's father, is the least connected to him because, as we, <laughs> as we find out at the end of episode one, he has started a family within six months, uh, a new family. Let's point out, too, within six months, he finds a miracle herb which, which cures the plague, which is apparently plaguing, plaguing, that's redundant, uh, affecting <laughs> villages across the land, quote-unquote. So he's able to find miracle herbs within some short time span because he then gets with the, uh, this new woman who has a daughter, assumingly not his, obviously, but... You like, never know. And, and she, she's... She's on her way to having his child now. Mm-hmm. So three months span or so, he's able to find these miracle herbs. Like you got to give some credit to him. And yeah, he didn't just find like a few miracle herbs. He found a heavy thing of miracle herbs. Yeah, he's got whole bushels basket. of miracle herb. But notice at the end of episode one, they leave the miracle herbs there. So I'm wondering if that's going to come up again at some point. Isn't that because the Buddha tells him like, no, 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 no. This is not a problem at all. The The miracle herbs are only like treating the condition or what is it? No, not treating the condition, but they're only taking care of the plague. Treating the symptoms. Yeah, it's treating the symptoms and, and not treating the condition, which is the demon king's influence. Right, but you think it would still be in the protagonist's favor to finish the first quest well, and I mean, then his- proceed on? But they just completely sidetracked by side, there. side quests and bonus quests every time. So I do love the fact that Yoshihiko's father is just a straight black guy. He's just a black dude. Went out to go get milk, never came back. Turns out he's got a second family. He did find the milk though. He brought he grabbed the milk. He just decided <laughs> he didn't want to come back after he got it. 
Grab the milk, hit a strip club. <laughs> now has a new family. <laughs> Life couldn't be better. I wonder what the daughter thought about this because you know she's been following Yoshihiko this entire time. I think so. she doesn't she see her her dad. I'm pretty sure at the end of the episode that she does witness that he's there. And then just says, Yoshihiko, I'm so worried about you. Yeah, but she doesn't seem to really care that much. I mean, maybe that's where she's getting her money too, is is she reconnects with the dad after that episode. And after he starts up a dispensary of his miracle herb, that's where she's getting all the money for clothes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good theory. Yeah, we're gonna say it's we're gonna say it's canon until I'm proven wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I like the way you think, Trickle. I like the way you think. So what's your favorite uh, character out of all these guys? I think Niels is probably the uh, the sorcerer or the guru or whatever, right? Melib? Yeah, it's a split between him and Yoshihiko because I, like, I've already talked about the mage being great. The hero, Yoshihiko, has this amazing tenacity to just to narrow his vision to one thing, to tunnel vision yeah. on something that is not important. And then just wants to fix it or do it, and and like it, it's displayed in multiple things from, from like obviously going on these side quests to the fact that the the maiden in episode two is so hideous, and it's her <laughs> hideousness that like enables them to you know pass Be their done quest. With the, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that the um, was it an oni? What what was it in the shrine? Um, it's Amaterasu. Amaterasu. Oh yeah, so Amaterasu. I love the fact that he's like, "Oh, yeah, you guys can stop doing that." that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you guys are scraping the bottom of the barrel now. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, "I, I'm, I think I'm happy, but I don't really know how to feel." Right. I need but, to process I, this information. That I'm so ugly that I ruined this, <laughs> this sacrifice. I'm not crazy. They say Amaterasu earlier, right? Possibly. I'm, it, I'm almost certain that they do, and that's. It's really just a red light in a in a like shack. There's there's nobody there. And it's funny because they you like while they say that, like Amaterasu is the goddess of the sun, but this particular version is some deep voiced baritone mountain god that apparently just wants female sacrifices. Things are all mixed up. And and so if if we talk about the show having a low budget, maybe it's possible that they shot some of those earlier scenes and then realized afterwards that like it, when they were editing or something that like, Oh, well we should have just called it a mountain God because the rest of the scenes after they only call it a mountain God as opposed to Amaterasu. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's possible. I thought you were going to say that like they had the script all written out and then, you know, they, they shot these scenes and they're like, Oh, this show's actually going to be horrible. We better make it. We better make it a comedy, quick, you know. And and then they ghost stories it. To get back on track, what were your guys' favorite characters? Scott, uh, I I think I do like Melob, and it's it's mostly due to my excitement for what spell he'll unlock every episode. And he also just seems to be the most like he's the most wild card out of them. And so I, I like that too. Like I, I really can never predict what they're going to do, what, what his character writing is, is going to produce for his actions. Like he's, he's really hard to understand. So, And yet he's also the most sensible too. Yeah, and he's the crazy one. 
<laughs> he's the one who was trying to feed nuts to a stuffed fox in the first episode, and and he's he's like the rational brain of the party. So probably probably Melop. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm kind of split in the same way you are, where Yoshihiko is pretty amusing as well. What about you, Cookie? The rational side of me is also with Mela, but I really like that gag with what's her name and the freaking the plastic knife. Uh, Murasaki. A Murasaki. But but yeah, no, Melob is great. Then then Yoshihiko's just absolute happiness at all of the spells Melob does. I I don't know. They're the they're know, the OTP of this for sure. The introduction to Murasaki is really good too, where she claims that Yoshihiko is her father's killer based upon what looks like a terrible pen drawing. Oh, the little anime <laughs> drawing is great. And then Donjo's just like, are you sure about this? She's like, everybody keeps saying that they're not my father's killers. I'm not going to get to kill anyone. What's really great, though, is that when she brings it up initially, Yoshiko is like, that does look a lot like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, it has my eyebrows. And then it takes her to say something like, uh, oh, they also said he had big eyes for Yoshiko <laughs> to be like, hold on a second. A lot of guys have big eyes. <laughs> like That type of writing just, it's not an accident. It's totally inspired. You know what would have been really funny now that I think about it is if they did do for, for the like shitty animated segment in the third episode, if they used the uh, like character Picture. that was drawn in the first one when he meets uh, <laughs> Murasaki, that could be really funny too. But they can't because he didn't kill uh, Murasaki's yeah, I know, father. He, he didn't, but it would be, it would be even funnier because it, it adds to her like erroneous theory that he is what would be great is if they confront or find and confront find the killer. her father oh uh the killer of the father and that person turns out to be the drawing <laughs> that's true that would be great too i oh i goodness. have my doubts that the father is even dead like she might bump into him and then she's like well i'm gonna kill you for something else then so question are you guys happy with my uh, suggestion of thing to watch I think this will be entertaining. Yeah, I'm um, actually having maybe more fun talking about it than I am just watching it. Mm-hmm. I, I figured that when we got to the recording stage and we actually got to like talk over the jokes a little bit, just processing them a second time is sometimes funny in itself. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Proper dick adjustment. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> had a show talk about that plight because I think all men have... all male people or people with male genitalia probably have had that issue before maybe not life or death but i mean i i assume you could ask someone left or right question mark and they could give you an answer i'd have to think about it for a second okay yeah (laughs) i know my answer (laughs) did we get did we get the knife scene in these three episodes not the poison knife. no no no, that one's uh that one's further ahead that's the that's the main reason I was like we guys we have to watch the show, honestly. So the name of I I happen to stumble upon and if anybody hasn't been looking at the names of these episodes, it's really funny, um, at least sometimes. But the name of the episode in which he licks the knife is in which Tumblr's gift set makes sense. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that makes no sense to me, but it's really funny. <laughs> that that's that's what they decide for the title for it. I guess we'll have to start reading them uh, during the synopsis. But 
every episode seems to start with in which. And I think it's yeah, a play yeah. on like dramas or uh, historic dramas, adventure drama. I don't know. Uh, but the first episode is in which the sword falls out of the stone. The second episode is in which hideous is used too much. And the third episode is in which Hisa gains a boyfriend. Hisa is Yoshihiko's sister. And so <laughs> that title only has relevance for like the last 10 last seconds. 10 seconds of the show. And, and there's other good ones too, further ahead. And, and what's nice about them is they, they don't really spoil too much or almost anything about the episode, which is nice. But there's like in which teen idolship is threatened. And so I feel like that's going to be a favorite for me. <laughs> Scott, do you want to read off the next three that we'll be watching? Okay, the next three episodes we'll watch is in which Yoshihiko basically dies twice. What? In which, <laughs> in which Tumblr's gift set makes sense. So you'll get your, your knife episode cookie. Yay! And then in which poop looks like chocolate cream. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. It seems like the show it had to go through some rough spots to introduce everyone. Right. It's a growing pains episode for sure. Yep. So I, I'm expecting the show to get better as time goes on. Me and you both. I will say, though, I did like the first joke of the sword falling out and Yoshihiko going to be like, <laughs> I, I didn't really pull, I didn't pull uh, it. And he's like, you'll kinda, do. You'll do just fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, ah, this is what type of show this is going to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been exciting and fun talking about Yusha Yoshihiko with the two of you. Uh, next week, we'll... Uh, next week we're going to do another one of these watch alongs I believe so fantastic so expect our next Omake to cover this next week if you want to contribute to the conversation you can email us at podcast at fancyramen.com leave us a comment in YouTube or on our YouTube video uh, am I missing anything uh, leave us a message on Fancy Ramen Facebook page also to help us out the most you can always like and subscribe the podcast on the Apple Podcast, iTunes Podcast. I don't know what it's called. Leave us some reviews. The best way to have more fancy ramen in your life is to spread the word. The more people who know about us, the more fancy ramen you can have. Have a great night, everyone. I'm oh, Scott. Maki! I'm Neil. Um, and I'm Cookie. See ya. See ya.